first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. It's me, the Motherlode speaking. How the fuck are you? Hope you're doing well out there, man. It is a wild and fucking crazy world, isn't it? It is, um... More and more confusing every day. And you know what? I choose, personally, not to think about it too much. Because, I don't know, it stresses me the fuck out. So what do I do? I escape into this world of video games and socializing on the interwebs and just, you know, hanging out with you guys, pouring my heart and soul into the work that we do here at The Keep. And, uh, yeah, part of that is... What I'm talking about right now. We are about to delve into a blissful and wonderful rocket ship of a conversation with Mahalik, um, who is an incredible game developer. He has done a lot of cool shit. He's done two games now for the Dread X Collection series, uh, Dread X Collection 1 and 2. He did the... For the first one, I believe the game was called Outsiders. We'll talk about that here in the interview, obviously. And also for the second one, Toy Shop. But he is, more importantly, working on SCP Blackout. Uh, we'll delve into, for those who don't know what SCP is, what that is, you know, more in the interview itself. But, like, this guy is incredibly talented. I mean, if you've seen anything he's done, especially in the Dread X collections, he just stands out. He's, like absolutely incredible in his ability to turn out fantastic content under pressure he's also a brand new father he's got a baby a little baby malik running around that's fucking cool just getting it just doing that indie dev life man and like this is such an inspiring conversation to hear him talk about you know why he does what he does and where he comes from you know like he's the guy who like quit the shitty day job so he could do this or I don't even say quit it just happened organically it's a beautiful thing man I love hearing people talk about following their dreams I'm not sure if you can hear the airplane in the background right now but there seems to be a jet flying over the uh, studio here at In The Keep but whatever it's all part of the character I uh I want to take a few moments to just kind of talk to you guys as you know we are uh, in the midst of the fall now and every fall The Keep does Pigeon Classic annual FPS charity tournament. This will be the third annual Pigeon Classic. If you're not familiar with how we do this, uh, it's going to be a multi-day event. We're not quite set on all the details as of me recording this. Maybe we are in real life. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we're looking at doing uh, like you know we're going to do Doom Friday Night Survival again, and we're going to do probably some Warfork shit, maybe some Diabolical shit. Who knows? Uh, the way this works is you know, I'll put out a sign-out sheet for everybody to you know check out, get all the details. And if you want to participate in one of the events or just hang out and watch, that's cool. But um, if you want to participate, you must donate at least $1 to the charity, which I have not, as of this recording, decided on yet. It will definitely be for a good cause, not some fucking weird corporate bullshit, but like something we can vet and track and like really know that we're making a difference. And at the end of the day, it's the fall. And as we all know, this is the time for giving thanks, for showing love, for honoring our ancestors, all that shit. We know whatever faith you come from, it's pretty much the same in the fall. Go figure. And yeah, so it's just a time for us to give back to the community. And uh, what better way to do it than by celebrating what we do here? Also, the Drowned God Catholic says that uh, we have to offer some fresh souls. And the best way to acquire those souls are to frag and jib in the arena. 
and so we will. But anyway, just, you know, keep that, you know, kind of in your head on the calendar. I'm not sure exactly the dates or anything. This is a very weird time for me to bring it up. Just putting it in your head ahead of time. There will be a cool The Keep charity tournament slash event, multiplayer event, whatever, coming up soon. Stay tuned for that. Um, But yeah, what a wonderful world we live in, man. I know it's fucking weird and crazy out there, but at the end of the day, you know, grab hold of your loved ones and uh, tell them that you do care about them. And most importantly, love yourself, man. Like, I struggle with that myself. As many of you listeners uh, know, I've dealt with problems with, uh, you know, depression and stuff in the past. I'm not going to, like, sit here and mull over it, but the world is a beautiful place. And I really do believe that everything happens for a reason. And even if it's a bad time, usually it balances itself out somewhere down the line. So just please uh, let your troubles go for the duration of this interview here. And just relax. I don't know what you're doing. If you're driving to work or if you're driving home from work or if you're going for a walk or taking a nice evening run or if you're just doing the dishes and you just need something to listen to to get you through that shitty task or whatever the fuck it is you're doing, man. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're training to become the best goddamn esports player you could possibly be. Or maybe you just, I don't know, like to listen to podcasts while you shit. Uh, I definitely do that a lot. Regardless, let it all go. Relax. Take one big deep breath. Exhale all of it out and enjoy this conversation with Mahalik. Frost is my real name. Uh, developed SCP Blackout pretty much as the solo dev so far. Um, I'm finally opening up to a team. I've had a helper, Jory Stoltz, with like writing and voice acting. He's pretty cool. Um, I did Outsiders as a fully solo dev in a little seven-day time span. Uh, toy Shop in the more or less in the 10-day ten, ten time span, although I kind of got cut short because I had a kid recently. Um, um, got some other side projects, but yeah, that's if you've heard of me, it's probably from one of those. <laughs> I uh, I first heard of you through Ted's podcast uh, for DreadX, which is Real Professionals, and that was right when he was ramping up to get the first DreadX collection out. Like, so he sent me your game outsiders as like a, Hey, you know, like press release kind of hush, hush, check this out. And then I recorded right after that, I recorded my first podcast with him, which we didn't air. We had to re-record it um, because I think it was like four in the morning when I finished your game. I expected like, Oh, I'll be able to knock this out quickly. It's part of a collection. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Long story short, Ted ended up just kind of like having to walk me through it because it was way more than I was bargaining for. And that game was amazing. I knew from that moment, like, this guy has something special going on. If you could turn that out in, you know, what was it, seven days for the first one you said? Yeah. Holy shit. Um, So how did you originally get involved in that project anyway? Uh, With DreadX? Um, I did PAX South earlier this year, the start. Um, I had a booth for SCP Blackout. And, um, I mean, that that was pretty wild because uh, I didn't really know if anybody would know SCP or SCP Blackout at that kind of event. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, we were, like, swamped the whole time for three days straight. I mean, it was really cool, but it wasn't – it was a lot more than I expected. But, anyways, at some point during that – uh, Ted came up dressed up in a suit and he was like, Hey, can I like interview you? I was like, okay. And then we did it. And then he was like, cool, thanks. And then he left and I never really 
I don't think I really heard much on it. And then, um, like months later, um, I got like an email and he's like, Hey, uh, is that Pax? You remember the interview? I was like, yeah. He's like, Hey, I'm starting this uh, cool experimental project thing where we take like a bunch of solo devs that we, I uh, think have promise and give them like, you know, the seven days to make a, a game. He's like, would you be interested? And I was like, Oh man, that sounds really cool. He's like, I've only, you know, worked on blackout really. It's not even done, but I mean, I appreciate the <laughs> opportunity. So then it just kind of worked out. Yeah. Ted has a tendency to do that where he'll like drop you a little, like something that's a hint towards something else. And then like, go a long time without contacting you and then get back to you. And he's like, Oh, I had this big grand, you know, grandiose plan for you the whole time. He's like some sort <laughs> of Greek God almost. <laughs> but so then like outsiders, I'm assuming you're like reusing assets that you sort of already have for other things with that. And also with the toy shop, because it's like so complete. I couldn't believe when he said this was done in seven days. Like, there's no way that he completed this from scratch that quickly. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no way. Like since I, you know, just kind of do it all on my own. Like I don't really get into the modeling. Um, mm-hmm. cause that just, that's such a time sink. Although I have recently started learning modeling. Cause, um, I mean, I do buy like a bunch of asset packs. Now I have a big library for lots of stuff I need, but each game always has like little specific things it needs. So now I can finally fill that gap so I can make, you know, whatever I need. Um, but yeah, so I just had a bunch of asset packs. Ended up buy- buying a couple that are like house specific. And then, yeah, I just kind of put it together, edit it, edit the, you know, the look. Um, so it all fits cohesively, which. I didn't quite get to with toy shop because I kind of yeah ran out of time. But in general, I can make the asset packs you know kind of work together a little bit better. Um, one day I would like to have you know a modeler in the team, but as for now, it's not quite there yet. I mean, if you keep on the tracker going, dude, you're definitely. I mean, somebody might hear this and be like, "Oh, I can do that," and you never know. So, like, the, just the the stuff that you're able to turn out on your own says to me, like if you had a team, like you would be unstoppable. And what I'm really curious about for you personally is like, just looking at the different puzzles that were in that particular game. Like, did you already have plans for puzzles like that? Or did you just dream these up that quickly? Um, or did you have a planning period? Some years ago we had a, I had an idea that was kind of similar. Um, well, I guess it was kind of a bit different. Um, but I, I took some base ideas from that, then some other base ideas from other stuff I've like kind of read or thought about, and um, mm-hmm. just kind of mixed it all together. So um, when he said we had like, you know, a week, I kind of thought through a bunch of different possible games and scenarios, and that one seemed like it was the most manageable for the time because mm-hmm. I had. The only game I'd worked on was, you know, like I said, Blackout, and I'd been like a year in the making, so I was kind of unsure if I would be able to do it in a week. So I was like, I know I need something that's basically in one level, and you can kind of keep doing the, the same level over and over. That way, I don't have to spend a bunch of time. And then if I have extra time, I can add like more to the cool ending sequence. Um, I I like mystery and horror in a way that's like concrete. So I was like. It's, you know, something that you think you know what's going on and then it just kind of flips it on its head and then it kind of keeps drawing you in. And like had a bunch of different ideas for things I want and that was cool and um, just kind of pieced it all together. And I was like, I think I can do this. And then as I went through, then I had time to like add more polish and kind of touch things up and like cinch it together. Yeah. It's interesting because that that game starts off and it feels very like, okay, this is just a straight up, you know, kind of escape house horror game. And it stays that way until I opened up the fireplace where you have all the screens and like, okay, there's something else going on here. This is so much more than I, like like I said earlier, this is more than I bargained for. And because you have the keys laid around and you have like the, you know, bloody messages and everything that are kind of like subtle hints as you, you know, die and come back to life. And I think the big giveaway was that, you know, 
when you die and are reborn, you have that screen that says like subject number or whatever, you know, and um, you're, you're kind of like told to like, you, you've, you get to learn from your previous victims. Like, did you have a, an influence that made you want to go that route with it? Or was it just kind of born out of. Well, initially I knew I wanted to keep it changing, but um, then it was like, I mean, even as it stands now, it's kind of one of the biggest pitfalls. It's like, people don't give it a long enough chance. So I was mm-hmm. like, when they do die, I need, I need the message to, you know, kind of like help them know that it's not quite done. And then I, yeah, ended up coming up with a system where it, you know, has the text of you waking up and kind of hints that like you should keep going. But yeah, I, I generally find pretty polarizing reviews. It's like, Oh, it was just, you know, the same old game. I'm like, oh, they didn't give it a long enough chance. They didn't even finish it. And yeah, other people are like, wow, that's really awesome. And then there's a, there are a few in the middle that was like, it was really cool, but it was so grindy that I, I, never, I didn't finish it. Uh, it's like saying the Lord of the Rings isn't a good enough book because I didn't finish it, though. Like, you know, you the kind of thing that you do sort of maybe it's not for the widest audience in the world, but it seems like it's it's definitely for the people that it's for, which to me is better. Like I, I'd rather have a game that feels like it was perfectly made for me that I have to work hard to achieve. It feels better to have gone through something difficult to reap the reward at the end than it does to just have it handed to me. And that's kind of what this podcast has been about for a long time is, you know, we have a tendency nowadays to expect games to kind of hold our hand all the way through. And for me, I would rather uh, kind of revisit games of the past that require more of the player. It's more rewarding that way to me. It did start out even harder. And then Ted kept bugging me. Like, this is a little too hard. Or like, this is a little too hidden. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess. All right. Fine. And I eventually like tone it down. Um, I do have plans for a, uh, that's like outsiders part one. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a part two and part three. I have like written out a plan that like each have, equally big twists, but um kinda have to wait on that. But when I do eventually do that big project, I'm gonna smooth out the the current, you know, game as it is will be mostly unchanged, although it'll be like kind of polished and expanded a little bit, like you know, more with the mannequins so they uh stay scary and I don't know, a bunch of different little tweaks, but overall it's gonna, you know, kinda mostly stay the same, but maybe be a little gentler to the uh, initial players, I guess. So when, where did your like kind of game dev story begin? Um, let's see. I'm kind of out of high school. I'd always kind of wanted to make games, but I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about it. So I just kind of learned programming and then just try to make something. Cause I didn't, I didn't even know what a game engine was. So like, it, I don't know. I failed a couple of times. And then eventually I found a book that was like, takes you through like start to finish on a simple game in Unity. So I did that. And I was like, okay, I kind of get it. And I kind of messed with Unity for a bit. I wasn't a fan of it. I went to CryEngine. And um, that was pretty cool, but kind of CryEngine was kind of dying. And then mm-hmm. Unreal 4 like first came out. So I like immediately switched to that. And like I've just loved Unreal ever since. Um, and I just make a lot of um, little prototypes, like little games I would want to play, which are usually like building survival games. Um, then some scary ones, because those are easier to get, I don't know, assets for. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's kind of years of, you know, practice and making little little projects for fun. Um, learning game dev from YouTube, basically. And... Uh, each project would fail because it was just a lack of models. So I, it would be playable and like decent, but just ugly. So I wouldn't gain a following and just pretty much did that for like years until, um, I was working with some, with a group on like some game called, um, Lunacy St. Rhodes. And, um, things were kind of rocky and, um, uh, I had like free time cause we were waiting on some guy. So I was like, Oh, there's Halloween coming up. So, I was going to throw a Halloween party. I was like, I'll do a little VR scary game just as a little, you know, party thing. Right. I did it. 
I worked on that for like a couple weeks and it was okay. And then I was like, I don't know, it's still kind of fun. I'll keep working on it a little bit. Um, but like the marketplace for Unreal had finally opened up. So I was like, oh, I can buy this like sci fi asset pack and it has like a bunch of stuff. So I actually get like a not completely ugly level. And then um, did that, kind of posted a little bit online. So people were like, oh, that's really cool. Like, keep doing that. And I was like, also kind of getting into SCP around then. I was like, oh, I can make this kind of like a little SCP thing. And then, like, yeah, the more I posted on it, the more people were like, oh, that's awesome. Keep doing it. And the bigger it got. And eventually I did like a little Kickstarter. got like 900 bucks or something. Maybe not even that. I don't remember. Um, then I bought like a good bit of asset packs to like boost it up. And then it just kind of kept snowballing bigger and bigger. And then I've just learned more and more. And then, um, <clears throat> like, uh, COVID nineteen hit because I've been I was an electrician the last couple of years, and then we kind of got laid off due to like lack of work. Um, so I just worked on another project, Project Midgard. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a multiplayer survival defense game where, like, in between waves, you like go out to get resources, to upgrade your base and stuff. But after about a month of that, like, the work had kind of and like, hey, yeah, I'll just hold on. Like, it'll pick back up. And eventually, there had been like a month or two, and it was like, yeah, I need money. So I was like, I guess I'll try to freelance game dev stuff because like I don't really have much else. Um, and then started working with a couple of clients, and they're like, you were like really good. And you're like surprisingly good. I was just like, oh, I mean that's pretty cool. Because <clears throat> by this point, I had also done outsiders. Um, Getting my timeline a bit mixed up, but <laughs> yeah. So working on all these different projects and like the stuff that I'm not quite used to with these like freelance clients, like just learned so much so quickly. It's almost like an exponential curve over the last months, pretty much since blackout started. And it's just, I don't know, pretty wild. So now I'm fully back into working on blackout with some big updates coming. Um, got pe- I'm not very good at asking for help, so I haven't really worked with people. So now I've uh, working with Jory and hired a um, I would quote unquote hired some like community managers to help, you know, get everything where it, I feel like it should be. Because I don't know, I'm I'm all over the place. A lot's happened. It's hard to quantize. No, it's okay, man. Like, uh, that's sort of the beauty of what. Dread X is doing with these collections. I told this to Ted numerous times. It's like, uh, because a lot of game devs are, as you said, very introverted people and, you know, you're not good at asking for help or, or whatever. And I was like, but you're building this amazing network, you know, like where you guys are all, you know, kind of working on something simultaneously. And then it's going to be natural that you can kind of reach out and learn from each other and, you know, Hey, you're working on this. I know a guy that's, you know, doing something similar, maybe you could help out with that or, you know, Hey, could you help me with this? Maybe, maybe if you can't ask for help, somebody will ask you for help and then it'll organically grow from there. I told him it was like the, like CBGBs of game dev at this point, or at least of horror game dev, you know, where you just have like all these, like, you know, yet to be discovered rock stars doing their thing and growing together. And that's really beautiful, dude. I feel like he's going to start getting swamped with more and more smaller indie devs like trying to apply to get to the the next one and the next one and i think it, i think that's pretty cool as well yeah he's gonna have to bring in someone to like filter through to get the chaff out of there and see what we're you know what's worth our investment it, he's got a good eye for things like he's really kind of he knew what he wanted for the first one and for the second one and now that you know they're doing this spooky horror jam and i know there was like a shitload of people applying for that so it's going to be fun to watch the whole thing grow over time. They just announced the third collection this year. Are you working on that one too? Or No, I, with the, the baby, um, he was like, yeah, thankfully they didn't even ask because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to do that one. I was <laughs> like, it, it feels nice to be able to like look at the discord server and see them all working and be like, I don't have to deal with the stress this time. <laughs> yeah. We uh, with Realms Deep, we kind of had a similar thing where like Fred was just, hey, uh, find a bunch of you know indie games that kind of match, 
the theme here and by the end of it now it's just like the the realms deep and you know inner discord is just this giant group of amazing developers that most of which i got to like hand pick and i'm watching them do basically the same thing that i just said you know you guys got to do it's so cool man i was gonna say realms deep was really cool although it kind of came at a bad time with the babies so like you know, we had to send in a trailer. I had to send in an old one because I didn't have time to make a new snazzy one. But yeah, it was still a really cool event. And uh, yeah, that that was neat. Fred seems like a really, really cool guy. <laughs> I don't know if it can all be laid on his shoulders, but it seemed like that at the it time. It isn't. Yeah, he's got a he's got a really great team there at 3D Realms, and you know, he, they had between like me him. Alex and Jahar, uh, we got it done. And obviously, like, there's way more going on in the background than you would see. It's just like, you got to have the boss. So I thought, I thought working with him was such a great learning experience and with Jahar too and, you know, the whole crew. But yeah, your game was like immediately, like, I have to, I have to reach out to this guy because I was such a fan of like, if I was like, if this guy can do this in seven days, what could you do? you know, with a full time, you know, years to make a project. And I was, like SCP blackout is going to be fucking amazing as far as I'm concerned. And it's, it's going to be in VR as well, right? Um, yeah, it's already, um, in VR. Okay. It's, a uh, got the survival mode. That's, I mean, it's there currently, but, um, trying to, for Halloween update, I'm going to like double the content and give it like a couple multiple endings, get it polished and closed off so I can start the, the full story mode, but like fully organized and with all this new experience. So finally it was pretty scattered before. Cause it was like mm-hmm. the original scope was basically that little horror VR game. And then as more people came and it got bigger and I got more experience, it just all these add ons kept just kind of getting, you know, put on, I'd be adding a feature or something like, I'm kind of bored of this. I'm just going to make a whole new level. So I just, plop a whole new level on so it just yeah after the the couple a couple month break when i came back i spent i think two weeks just organizing all of the documents everything in the game all of the i had like 32 sticky notes on my desk so i like put all that on trello and like just yeah i spent the last like two weeks just making it all cohesive fixed like 50 something bugs and it's yeah yeah it's it's, it's finally on track now but yeah, it's got VR in it. Um, so I need to spend like a week updating the VR bugs and add some new polish mechanics and stuff. But it, it's pretty cool so far. So for the uninitiated, which would pretty much include myself, can you kind of explain what SCP is to the audience? Because I, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it, obviously it's got a huge following, but maybe not within my community. Um. And I had a really good speech for that when I was at PAX because I probably said that like a thousand times. Um, so SCP is kind of like a uh, collaborative online community. Um, mm-hmm. So like there, there's the foundation, which is like this organization that um, kind of goes out. And um, there's SCPs in the world, which are these anomalous things. Like they could be like a malevolent creature. It could be like a lamp that makes you like talk backwards. It could be um like a house with like an infinite interior. It's just all these random unnatural things that like are written by people and they usually each have their own unique, really interesting story. Um, I think there's like over 5,000 now, um, but end up creating this whole universe where there's a, like I said, the foundation that goes out and like um, captures them, contains them, um, which is, what SCP stands for, secure, contain, protect. <clears throat> so I uh, I thought the community is really cool. Um, there's a lot of really cool stories. So um, when I was making my game, I started, I made like a whole new site. They're all original SCPs. Um, instead of, they all go by numbers. So it'll be like SCP, like 1347 or like 173. Like there's, of course, the real popular ones. But I didn't want to steal anyone's like, you know, number or uh, didn't really want to use theirs and have to change it to make it fit gameplay. So I came up with like a letter system. So 
I made site 50 is where SCPs are first taken to be like diagnosed and like, you know, determine what they are and where they should go before they get the official number. So it's kind of like sidestepped that awkwardness. And <laughs> yeah. So in the game, you're what's known as a D class, which <clears throat> the foundation pretty much takes death row inmates and, um, use kind of experiments on them. And then since it's, you know, community written, there's lots of different canons on like, if they actually let the D class go after they're done, or if they just like kill them or, erase their memories so they keep reusing them but in the game you play as one of these d-class as things go wrong and all the scps start escaping and you have to escape as well like dodging all these different monsters at least in the survival mode the uh, story mode ends up having like 16 or so endings because it's like a bunch of branching paths it's so far from what we're writing it's pretty cool and it's a lot easier to make linear levels than it is a uh, <laughs> the, the survival somewhat open world thing um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming and I got sidetracked again so sorry no it's cool man it's a think about it like it's tangential it could go any direction you want it to I, I don't have I, I didn't come here with notes I'm not like oh I have to an agenda of like these are the things I need to know from Malik I, I want to like I said before we started recording, like we got to get to know you, the guy. And if you're a tangential person, then all the better. So the next tangent will be um, th- when you're when you're writing the story. Like, are you solely writing this story, or do you have like a people that you're collaborating with? Um, originally it was, and then uh, Jory was a uh, he was a voice actor. Um, he actually does all the voices, almost in the game for all the different creatures. He's really talented. Um, all right, here's another tangent. So <laughs> I go. first was looking up for uh, voice actors. I ended up getting to the point where I was choosing between two. Like there was one that was a bit more professional sounding and um, like a little cleaner audio, but like he didn't, I mean, he was just like, all right, what's the job? I'll do it. All right. It's this much. And then there was Drory who uh, was like, Oh, SCP. Like that's super awesome. Like I'm, I really have a big fan of SCP and like he just like at the time it's like audio quality is a little bit lower um, but he like had that passion I was like I'm just I'm gonna go with him so then working with him was super awesome and he just kept like giving us all like and then going beyond and like ended up where I was just like man this guy's like super passionate about the work so I just like ended up making him pretty much a uh, basically a partner like a dev Mm-hmm. Even though he's like, hasn't even really gone in the engine yet. Um, so he has, he's super creative. He ends up coming up with like most of the uh, the stories for the SCPs. Like, since we don't have a modeler, I end up having to go on the asset place and find what can be turned into an SCP, and we'll come up with uh, general ideas together, and then I let him do the final writing because he's a better writing that writer than I am. So in the end. Um, I generally come up with most of the base designs for the uh, story and different things and like we'll kind of brainstorm back and forth and then in the end I let him do the uh, the fine details of the, the writing so it's somewhat collaborative um, I like to work with the Alexa I like to work with the community um, the discord server but then I went too far and like let people write a bunch for the game and it just got so chaotic there were so many just scattered pages pages across the google docs and it was like such a headache to try to like bring it all together and um i think after that i just kind of like somewhat stopped for a, for a bit and then especially after i start stopped working the like discord kind of died down it's pretty much a ghost town now so like major initiative for like coming back is getting the um the discord going again um it's like part of getting a community manager so now i have a bunch of um events planned contests so like i don't think the the server doesn't know because we're coming up with we're making a video to announce it but this will be delayed so maybe by then it <laughs> better but um yeah we're gonna have a writing contest for uh you know come up with SCPs or come up with 
side stories inside the uh, Site 50 in the surrounding universe. And, like, the winners will actually have the documents put in-game and, like, runners-up runners and stuff. And, like, the actual winner, we're going to make a video with Jory reading the uh, the story, the logs or whatever, and, like, one of his characters, whichever one they choose, because he has, like, ten. Um, anyway, yeah, just lots of different contests, so I can help get the... Um, get people's writing since you know scp is like a community-based writing thing i want to get back to where my community can help write for the game i just won't go too far where they start affecting the actual story again because that that was pretty bad so that's that should be cool there's lots of good spots to be able to let people put their writings in um i don't even remember what the initial question was anymore it was just basically like what's the process of writing the story? So you've answered that thoroughly, I think the, uh, like, so are you taking influence from the older, uh, SCP game titles at all? Or like, is it going to be completely kind of separated from that canon? Um, kind of both, but I've never actually played the older games. So okay. not too much. I mean, uh, it's kind of cliche for a, you know, a site to have a breach. So I guess that's probably like the other games, but in general, I haven't actually played them. So maybe, but not on purpose. That's good, man. Sight unseen. So at the very least, no one can accuse you of like, oh, you just made another thing just like that. But like, cause they're not all like that well received, obviously. And hopefully this will be the, the one that like takes it to the next level, which I think it will. So you... I'm assuming there won't be any like shared, you know, too obvious gameplay mechanics or anything like that. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I've gotten mixed feedback. Some people are like, Oh, you're making your own SCPs. There's no like real ones from the wiki. Like this is a, uh, this is like bootleg and stuff. And then I've also got like probably more support of like, Oh, you're doing something unique. Like you're coming up with this on your own. Like that's really cool. I'm kind of tired of, you know, the same SCPs just getting rehashed as a cash grab over and over. And I mean, that's pretty cool. I'd always kind of had that imposter syndrome for the first probably year and a half, two years, where I'm like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't SCP. I'm coming up with this on my own. Like, am I even like, is this even legit? Like, but I'm starting to kind of get over that because, I mean, it's just a game either way. So it's, kind of doing it for the fandom because like that's how it started so it's like trying to stay true like I, I, there are uh kind of bigger names in the scp community and i've worked with most of them that i've been able to and like even had like some of the most popular writers rewrite our scps so they fit so you know doing what i can to make it as scp as i can without straight up ripping off scps yeah i wouldn't take any of that like, oh, this is not even a real SCP thing. Like, that's ridiculous. It's like saying, like, oh, your band, they're not, that's not even really metal, dude. Uh, fuck that shit. Like, you're doing your own thing, and that's amazing. Like, you should just continue on the path that you're on, I think. I don't know. It's so weird because you're kind of, as you said, you're you're building it on, you know, a lot of previous work. And I'm not sure who, if anyone even, like, owns this thing. Like, are you... There's no copyright included. There's nothing you have to deal with in terms of that. It's just okay for you to just turn out an SCP game and make profit off of it. Or yeah, yeah, it's Creative Commons. So basically, any of the creatures or stories that I write, anyone can use. So I don't like, I don't, I can't copyright like those ideas because they're not like mine. It's all Creative Commons. So if someone wanted to make a bootleg version of my game, then there's nothing to stop them. Unless they tried to actually like steal and resell my games, and that's different because that like violates Unreal Engine stuff. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of cool because that seems good. If someone wants to write a bunch of stories about stuff in my game, then that kind of adds weight to the stuff in my game, I feel like. Yeah. So do you think you'll uh, be going back to the electrician job at any point, or are you fully in on the game dev stuff now? Um, so far fully in um i mean i've got clients on long-term games and mm -hmm. 
those are, seem to be going pretty well. And if they turn into real things and maybe that turns into a studio or something, I don't know. I've got kind of more work than I have time for. So hopefully that would stay on as a lifetime job or eventually get, uh, you know, a real studio position or something. Um, I definitely prefer it because it's like a, a dream job and feel like I'm pretty good at it, but I keep learning so much every week that it's like, Maybe I don't actually know as much as I think because there's so much to learn. Uh, you'll just keep learning and you'll build on it. I was actually, it's funny that you mentioned it before I uh, got to where I am now, like when I was maybe 19, 20, somewhere in that area. I also, I was an apprentice for an electrician and like loved the guy I worked for, but fucking hated crawling around in hot attics and getting electrocuted every day. And I don't know. I, re- I remember like when I just decided like, this is not my life path and started working on, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do. You were lucky that you like already kind of had like a- another thing that really worked for you. Like, that, like I want to be a game dev and that's awesome. I'm I'm really glad that it's starting to become like a full-time gig for you, man. It's uh if you can keep it going where you're be solely kind of work for yourself and take on contracts. Like, I don't know what your total end goal, you know, end game is for that, but that's a really fucking awesome freedom you have to kind of pick and choose and decide because if you ended up working for a studio, you know, at some point it's going to become like maybe more than you want to deal with. Yeah. I'm kind of worried about that. The horror stories I've heard of those like big AAA studios where it's like, you're just a gear in a machine doing like 60 hours a week because you're permanently behind schedule. I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. And it's like, you don't even get to put your passion into it because there's always higher ups kind of already, everything's already pre-planned. So, I mean, I'm pretty skilled as a programmer, but I think yeah. the fun part is the designing. So it's like, if I can't do that, then I don't know. Probably better than being an electrician, but it also kind of sucks. <laughs> when I, uh, when I talked to Chuck Jones, he was talking about how like he went through the, through the full you know journey from working on Duke Nukem and shit like that in the nineties to then working at Valve and then working for a bunch of like Warner Brothers and shit like that. And he said that you know you you kind of get hired to do a specific task, and if that specific task isn't really your goal, it's like this feels like it's not worth even doing for me anymore. Uh, he had really an amazing story about like how he was just working on orc armor for like the, the middle earth games. Right. And so then when he was ready to like, kind of leave that job, he realized that his palette, you know, everything that he had to show off was just like orc armor. And he's like, what's the fucking market for this? And luckily he made his way back to 3d realms. And he like, he, he said he had to kind of relearn what it was like to have so much freedom and, you know, like, and work on this old school stuff that he kind of started with instead of this really specialized thing. And at some point he was just managing people. He wasn't even like actually creating artwork anymore. And I don't know. I don't ever want to be in that position. Like not to say that I wouldn't, you know, run a podcast for somebody, but I definitely don't, wouldn't want to do anything that compromised my ability to like, you know, do what I love. Yeah, I totally understand. That's why I feel I'm not super worried because I can always do a day job and just do what I've done for the last what seven or eight years and just make games on my own in my free time it's slower but i mean i can always just i can always do it i just don't have any free time (laughs) yeah hell is like probably an office building with fluorescent lights and some task that it's just like repeated over and over again that you don't want to do so uh, i'd say just hold on to your freedom as long as you can yeah, yeah, I don't mind that. Like that, or if I did do a studio, I would prefer it to be a smaller studio. So it's like you you still have the freedom to do what you want, mm-hmm. and hopefully it doesn't get too big. Or I mean, I mean the the one hope is one day start my own studio. So then, you know, I still do whatever. As That's long what as I was gonna say. End up like Facebook, where it's like you're so big you don't even get to do the stuff anymore. Now you're just running people. But it's not exactly a fear, but it's like. If it did end up actually somehow magically working out that way, that would be something I'd kind of worry about as well. It's like, I don't even get to do the job anymore. Now it's just the company. So Toy Shop was uh, 
so unexpected from what I was like, you know, I, I played outsiders. I knew kind of what was going on with SUP. And then I was like, all right, cool. This will be something similar to that. And like, what the fuck? So <laughs> it's so cool, dude. I, I love one of the best scenes in the whole game is when you're kind of, uh, you make it to the area where you have to, you know, get the body part upgrades and everything. And I, I love how it kind of glitches in and out of reality. And you're like, it's, it, it was so fast on my first playthrough that I really didn't catch a lot of it. And when I went back to it, I was like, oh, that was so cool and subtle. But then the there's this scene where you're walking and the this wall passes between and the toy shop owner goes from being, you know, who he is, uh, kind of, I don't know. Maybe you can explain how this works a little bit better, but like, I guess whatever chip or program is in in the protagonist's head. And then he turns into this fucking alien devil thing and then goes right back into it. And it was like, man, this is such good storytelling all the way through. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. The <laughs> and, toy shop was such a mess. <laughs> I mean, everything's a mess, but it could be a beautiful mess. Like, that's what you want. Like, chaos is kind of natural. <laughs> so if there weren't a bit of it, then it wouldn't really feel, I don't know, right. That's that's true. So, I don't know, like, was this an idea that you'd had for a while, or did you just, like, spring it up on the spot? Like, I, I don't know, like, I got a new, I got to make a new game. Like, how did that work out for you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it was more of a, like, I'd done Outsiders and Blackout, and I knew what I was pretty good at, and I was like, I kind of, I mean, I don't get to do new projects all that often, so, like, I want to try something new and just experiment with some kind of gimmicky mechanic or something. So mm-hmm. kind of had the idea for um, being, a, you know, small in this big world and like being able to shift between like, you know, side scroller. And I had a bunch of other mechanics that like planned where like you got more upgrades and had more abilities and um, just, I think I'd work like probably four or five days on it and got into the jump mechanic part. And I was just like, none of this is even like remotely scary. Like, this just—I mean, it's—it is what it is. But it's for a horror game. Like this, I don't think this fits the cut for what I want. So then I scrapped like all the rest of the mechanic, or all the rest of the the plans, and um, spent like three days just making that whole the whole factory level. Like, mm-hmm. just all of that just came in like at the end. Um. Um, yeah, and I found out I'm not very good at platformers because that is, to me, that's like one of the weakest sections, like mechanic wise. I could just, yeah, it was a mess. And then we had like the baby shower, so I had to like cut out early to go to that. And like, it just, overall, it's probably one of my weaker projects. It, uh, I think it turned out okay, but it's definitely not my best. So it's like, I don't quite cringe every time I think about Toy Shop, but it's like, ah, it's just, it is, it's there. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. Like, I don't, I have a tendency to really not be critical. Like, I, it's not like I don't see things that I don't like or whatever. It's just that I appreciate art so much that, or I guess I should say I appreciate the artist so much that I'm willing to look past a lot of things or like even probably not notice them to just enjoy the ride. And so like when you mentioned the, the platform section being kind of weak, like I, uh, I ran into this bug like really early on where the, it was supposed to turn, you know, into the kind of the isometric view of the platforming or the side scrolling kind of portion. And it didn't, it stayed first person <laughs> and, and I was really confused. And then on my second playthrough, it, it worked out perfectly. I don't know if that was like a bug fix or whatever, but regardless, but the overall story to me was just like amazing like i really liked it and i get i don't know you can feel differently about it if you want to i don't really care <laughs> but it was just like a going from where you start out to the juxta uh the juxtaposition of the factory level was just like insane i was like this is so cool you know it, it becomes you know literally man we're talking about like a this candy canes and beautiful world and and you said like I, I had to make it more scary and then that as soon as you walk into the factory level it, it, i'm like okay fucking buckle <laughs> up man this is gonna be good to the face yeah, yeah. It, it's so like that transition happened at the perfect time 
And regardless of how you feel about it, uh, you learned a lesson, obviously. Yeah, no more platforming. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was dope. I liked that. Uh, I, I liked that it was a mechanic that carried through to the rest of it because I like forgot at a certain point. In fact, I, I think I messaged you when I I realized that there was no save and I had turned the game off and was going to come oh, back. Yeah, and, yeah, I was going to fight the. Uh, you know, there's that room with the giant robots and the little minion robots, and you have to hit all these switches. And then there's like the zombie monsters on top of each platform, like really fucking difficult uh, for me at the first playthrough. Second playthrough, I got through it pretty fast, but I got, you know, that's where I had left off and I had to come back and replay up to it. And it was amazing to me because I really take, like, I, I was like exploring every little detail, taking in every little piece of dialogue. And it took me like a, probably a couple hours to get to that point in the first place. The second playthrough, I, uh, didn't waste my time, got there as quickly as possible. And I don't know, man, that, that was just such a cool, well-designed area, you know, having to hit all those switches. But I had forgot at that point that I had the double jump. <laughs> like I was like being bombarded by enemies and I was just trying to run around them. And I was like, why am I not, <laughs> why am I not double jumping? And it occurred to me really quickly. And then by the time I got back to that room, obviously you have to do it to get onto the switches. And so it came back to me and I was like, oh, fuck, man, what? Why? So I'm glad that you had that. And I'm glad that you played with it a little more. It was like, even though it was like a rough section, you know, the, the side scrolling part of it, it pays off in the end because you, you get to use that superpower for other things. It's rewarding. That's yeah, that's cool. Cool to hear. Cause I don't really <laughs> I don't see it from the outside. I just see all the things that I had planned for and weren't and the things that I like felt like I like taped together that like sometimes end up being people's like favorite part. So it's like, it's hard for me to see what it is when I see like kind of, I don't know what actually was going to be there, I guess. Once, I mean, you know, as, as an artist, you'll never see anything as complete, right? Like you're going to eventually publish and walk away from SCP blackout and you're going to probably say the same shit. Like, I don't know. Like I, I could have done better, I could have done better. Like, but it's all in the eye of the beholder. Like the person looking at the painting is going to see what they see, and if they don't like it, fuck them. If they do like it, then you know, hell yeah. And for me, I I like Toy Shop. I thought it was fucking awesome. Like that was I like that. it blew my mind. Literally, I like I still can't believe that you're capable of doing what you're doing in short periods of time. I did I did like the the twist ending, or at least I like watching YouTubers play the twist ending when they haven't guessed it have you thought about what your game looks like in both the dread x collections compared to the other games um a little like i, I do think it was probably near the top on the first one but i feel like it was kind of middle of the pack of the uh yeah. second one like that sucker for love like sucker for love just, is awesome just the polish and it's like oh man like that that looks like a like a real game. And mine looks kind of hacked together. My, mine looks like an asset flip. Mm -hmm. I think. Well, for me, like in the first Dread X collection is like outsiders. And, and I really like Torpal Duke's game too. Hand of doom was just like, that's right up my alley. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is that, you know, there, there are all these kind of like sort of eh, like low poly, shorter experiences which are all great. Like I, I'm in the business of that, but then your game kind of like, wow, this could be like, I could see like triple a potential in this. It looks, and the mechanics are so much more advanced than a lot of them that it was like weird. That's cause I don't have to spend time making assets. I think. Yeah. Even if it is low poly, they still, yeah, I think it gives me like an extra day or something. Probably just one extra day. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm not a game designer, so. Yeah, I, I don't make models, so I just based on their speed, I see them like making some assets, and I'm like, that. I mean, that's some advantage at least. I loved a uh, squirrel stapler, man. I, I, I just couldn't believe like how well it works, even though like the squirrels are just like these little pictures of squirrels <laughs> moving with no animation and shit. It's just like that's what Dave does, though. Like he's hilarious. I don't know if I was a fan of Squirrel Stapler, like, mm -hmm. just because, like, the ending was um, my favorite experience out of all of Dread X 2, but the first 40 minutes 
was were a bit dull to me. So it's like, I don't know. For me personally, I was like, just the payoff versus the time. Like if it had been like half the time, it would have been good. But at the end, I was just kind of like, all right, I'm just kind of ready. But then that ending just like, I think that was the only time I screamed out of like the entire, the entire collection. Yeah, genuinely my favorite moment out of all of it. But just the time before then, it was a bit dull. I like uh, hunting games. So like I used to play like Cabela's Big Game Hunter and shit like that. I never play them. They're just hunting. The thought of hunting just bores me to death. Even the city, (laughs) just I can't. I have so much to do. I can't just sit in the woods. It's weird. It's like meditating, really. Like you spend so much time, kind of, you know, alone and planning and you know, moving towards an eventual goal. It is as it, you know, it's a slow going thing. But I enjoyed that portion. I wish David would make a full on fucking hunting game. Honestly, even if it were exactly that low poly, I had a great time playing it. But I get what you're saying. Like if it had been a bit shorter and let you get to that payoff a little faster, or if there'd been you know maybe more payoffs kind of in between. I mean, to counter that, I don't think there's any hunting game that would probably appease me in general. <laughs> there so could I, be like I, a I count that against him specifically. <laughs> That's all right, man. Different folks, different strokes. Yeah. So, like, before we get out of here, any other like plans for the future? Are there any other projects that you're working on that you can talk about, or is it all NDA type shit? Um, the two pro- two big ones that I'm working on are. NDA. Um, they seem pretty good. Um, excited, even though <laughs> for both of them, I'm pretty much the only like in-engine dev for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, we do have a, a animator, and he's he's pretty good. I, I learned a lot about animation stuff, and then I went back and applied that to Blackout because I, I wasn't super strong in that area. So that, that was cool. Um, no, uh, Project Midgard's on hold because I've got. I want to finish Blackout first, and then Blackout is going to have a really big update. Yeah, around Halloween time, and then whatever I didn't get by then will be for a Christmas update, and then intended us officially start the story um, in January. That should I feel like that should go pretty quick since linear levels are a lot a lot easier than open world, and then. The only other updates, I guess, or events would be doing a bunch of community stuff on server, which should be pretty normal, but kind of neglected it. <laughs> Neglect neglected it. So, um, yeah. And then we're planning out some total major overhaul of Patreon because I basically ignored that for two years because I forgot about it. <laughs> that should be cool. We're gonna have lots of neat. Actually, like genuinely pretty neat um, rewards, because then if that takes off, then I can actually hire concept artists and modelers. But that's a you know, pipe dream. I probably won't get that far, but one can hope. I don't yeah, know. Definitely make that lots, a priority, dude. Lots of little, little things. Lots of big stuff coming, but little steps now. I'm looking forward to watching you go on the journey, dude. And I can't wait to see the finished product and everything else that comes out of you in the future. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been really cool. It was so such an obvious, easy choice for me to make. Thank you to Mahalek for being part of the show. Thank you to everyone involved in the SCP community. Uh, this music is from the soundtrack to SCP Blackout. You can go and buy it in early access right now for the low and absolutely nominal price of $20 on Steam. I'll provide a link in the show notes. Definitely consider doing that. It's going to be a fun fucking ride, man. Seriously, just to watch this game grow is going to be poetry in motion and I let's see I'm not going to read Patreon supporters because I did that last episode but I will say thank you to everyone who does support thank you to you for listening as always like the most important thing you can do like forget about giving money if you can't or you don't want to or whatever it's not important what's important is that uh, you're here listening to the show 
And if you do enjoy it, the best thing you could possibly do for us as a community is to share it with other people. So please consider doing that. Head on over to inthekeep.com. You'll find all the information you need to see. Join us on Discord. Follow us on Twitter uh, or whatever. It doesn't matter, man. Um, we just love you. We're happy to have you here. Thank you to everyone. Please take care of yourselves. And until next time, I bid you to please stay in the keep. <laughs>